Hey all, just want to give you a little heads up before you get the meat of this episode. Uh, Barton's microphone seems to have glitched uh, more than we realized when we were recording. Uh, so there are some words he says that you may have a hard time understanding. Uh, he's on paternity leave, so his time to, to record is understandably pretty limited. And I feel like you can still capture the spirit of what he's saying, if not the exact word every time. Uh, we'll be sure to make sure the new next episode uh, is up to our normal standards. And, you know, to be honest, we debated whether we should run this or not, but we thought the conversation was really good. We, we hope you'll enjoy it and you won't hold it against us. And so uh, with that, I hope you're able to enjoy the conversation. What's up? Welcome back to the Barton and Bud Show. Barton Simmons, Keith Elliott, Bud. Uh, thank you for letting me return to the show. I haven't listened to the episode last week with Tate because I'm scared to. I know how good Josh Pate is. He is smooth as and I, I'm just glad I'm back in the seat here after a, a week away with Eve. Um, you give me the reprieve from the screaming at home dude i'm glad to have you back and and you're right paid is smooth like, like he ha he had his answers almost written down i feel like the questions he didn't even know i was going to ask so that's he like he speaks form he's he he has fully formed thoughts before he starts speaking i i, I have no idea what that's like i figured it go uh which i don't know a little more sense but uh paid to monster so i'm glad he got to jump on with you he is, man. That was that was a good time, and, and uh, we're, we're glad he could fill in. But but glad glad we got the OG cast back here. Uh, Four hundred sixty four Apple Podcast ratings, and that's that's creeping up there pretty nicely, man. Maybe when we get to five hundred, we'll have to do uh, another mailbag episode. We're, we're getting a little more stingy here, though, with the with, with the questions we we pick. You, you got to really bring it in the comment section and in, in the reviews, and we appreciate all that. Today, I, I don't think we're going to get to listener questions. This is just going to be questions we ask each other about two topics that I've been thinking about a lot since Barton uh, has been gone. Uh, the first is kind of, uh, what, what the heck do we do with college ball recruiting if half or a decent number of these states decide to move their, their high school seasons to the spring, both from a, a college strategy and also maybe from a player strategy? And then in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about how would you kind of need to handle your practice and your playbook and your in-game management and your program management in a season in which you're probably much more likely to, to have to have all 100 players on your roster, that includes some walk-ons, obviously, play. I mean, the, the, the chance you make it through with just using scholarship guys and first-teamers this year is, is not real high and certainly higher than it's ever been. So we'll get into that too. Pretty cool episode, I, I feel like we have here, and uh, let's let's jump into it, man. You know, like she could wake up at any time. So, <laughs> so yeah. So so, all right. So I've been I've been as um, isolated from the outside world as I have been since probably my honeymoon, and I I know there's been some news popping in terms of. High school season's moving. I know that the college football stuff is still very much in flux. So California's moving. Uh, we, we think Virginia will will move. 
Florida kind of kicked the can down the road and was like, yeah, we're going to start on time. And then like your five biggest counties were like, uh, we're, we're not, but you know, the, the rest <laughs> of the state probably can. Uh, Georgia is pushing back two weeks at last check. And then Texas today kind of came out with a, we're going to start on time type thing. But much like Florida did, if you're in a county that is is pretty ravaged with the whole virus stuff, you, you may not uh, you may not start on time. So some states pushing to spring already, a couple states pushing back, and the states who aren't officially pushing back at least have some counties uh, in them who are are pushing back some. And so a um, byproduct of some of those moves. We've seen Tony Grimes, the number one cornerback in the class of 2021. And this was, I don't know how, this may have been before some, I guess this was an addition of potential uh, season delayed or canceled, but Tony Grimes reclassified North Carolina from 2021 class to 2020. He's going to be enrolled in August, if I'm mistaken. Uh, and now we're starting to see a lot of kids, particularly, I guess, it's in California. I've seen several pop up where guys are – basically making the announcement that they will not be playing their high school season in the spring. They will be enrolling at the mid-year college of their um, so they're done with a football career. So I think that's pretty relevant to this, this whole discussion we'll have as well. That's sort of the climate that we're in right now. A lot of guys aren't playing their senior seasons. Guys are, don't know what they're doing. Uh, senior seasons push for the most part, and there's still a day in December coming up, as well as that signing day in February. Is that kind of the does that set in the stage appropriately? You nailed it. And uh, so, last episode, I know you haven't listened to it yet, but uh, we talked about who would be a guy who could classify up and make make an impact on this season. And and the one guy I I settled on was Trevion Henderson. I thought we did the rankings council justice sure. there. Like I know, yeah. that, I know Ohio State got a, a transfer from Oklahoma and, and Sermon, but man, I, I think Trayvon Henderson would would legitimately have a pretty good chance to start for them day one. Yeah, I think that's a great call. It's, I mean, especially because again, that's get Trey Sermon is a position of sort of a, a mark, as much of a question mark Ohio State has as any. Um, and interestingly enough, Trayvon Henderson and he is starting to more running back. He he announced right that he's he'll not he won't be playing because he's in virginia so he won't be playing your season he's just focused training for ohio state um so that's so so that's very relevant to this discussion as well so what like one thing that's interesting to me is as as i've started to sort of ask around college coaches about how they you know whether they think because at this point there's been no evaluation period at all this cycle. They haven't been able to get out on the road in the spring. They haven't been able to have kids on campus uh, in the summer. They, they basically, the idea of an in-person evaluation for this cycle is gone. So my question to them has been, well, shouldn't they just push back the early signing period then? Shouldn't they just, I mean, how should, you, how can anyone be expected to really have a firm grip on their, their signing class? How can these kids who haven't been to these schools really throw about the decision? You know, make it one signing day, one-year deal, um, and sort of reassess in 2021. And there are definitely 
people that are in favor of that. But the, the, the broader consensus that I've come to with my limited polling, granted, like I don't have some massive uh, sample size here of, of, of opinions, but the, the, the people I've talked to, a lot of them are like, you know what? I don't really think it makes a whole lot of sense to have an early signing period place. The way that they set it up in the calendar, the way the NCAA structured this thing. And so, but now that we have it, there's no point in pushing it back. Like we'll, we'll, we'll get by this one cycle. Let's not rock the boat um, because we've all been preparing for this as is. And so um, I'm, I'm curious if you've heard anything different, but, but in terms of the, just the signing period itself, I think everyone is very much prepared to just deal with it. Um, now, granted, uh, maybe some of those opinions might be changing a little bit. I talked to somebody yesterday about it. And so that's the most recent conversation, but with all of this momentum shifting towards students in high school football, um, maybe that that opinion changes but i've been surprised a little to see like most people still think that the early signing period is just sort of it, d- it didn't make sense before let's not change it now so i i spoke to dino babers on our 24 7 sports social distance video series and, and i asked him about this I said, like would you move early signing period what, what would you do with it and he said you know i i don't think i would move it now this was two weeks ago when I interviewed him. So maybe his opinion has changed now. He said, I don't think I'd move early signing period because, you know, like the intent of early signing period was to basically give the kids who are ready to sign a break and to give the coaches a break, to be frank, who don't want to keep recruiting the same kids for just months on end when the kids already know where they want to go. And there is a babysitting element to that. He said, now what I think, especially if we get some high school football in the spring, maybe you move the February signing day to March or April or or May or something like that. Now, I think that also makes some sense. What I would like to see done is for this year and and maybe in the future, but just let's just stick with this year because it's such a unique circumstance. I would like to see no December signing period this year. If you're an early enrollee, okay, go ahead and enroll. If you're not, let's let's give everybody a greater sample of information, both from the standpoint of evaluating players, but also players evaluating schools. Uh, so if you're ready, if you're already graduating and you know you're going to enroll, I think you should just go ahead. If you're not, I, I think they should probably knock out the early signing period this year. Now, I don't think they'll they'll do it, at least not right now. I don't. Do you get that vibe? It's going to change because I don't, man. And and I think that brings up some really interesting strategy ideas. No, I, I mean, I don't. Now, granted, I'm not talking to the NCAA about it, but um, I I would imagine the NCAA's got other fish to fry right now. Like, that's just sort of, hey, this is less than ideal, but shaking things up. I mean, the, the reality of the early signing period is, while it is less than ideal, like, it's it's the same for everybody. Everyone's working on an even field sense, and so I would be surprised if it's moved. There is a lot of uh, there's a lot of new strategy now that rise in recruiting. So where where do you want to take this? All right, so let's just start. If we like, we'll, we'll do we'll do staff first, player second. Like let, let's say let's say you're a recruiting coordinator or you know DPP or or head coach. What, what is going to be your school strategy here? Let's assume you're a, a like a, a successful P five school. Maybe you're. I don't know. Like, let's let's say you're Texas. 
right? Like you're you're not you're not going to get a top three class, but but you're you're in the running for for another top ten type class. Are you just going all out signing as many kids as you can? How many kids are you going to wait on? Does it matter where your school's located? I, I I'm interested to see kind of what you would do. Yeah, I think um, it depends I'm in the food chain. Like if I'm if I'm Texas, like you said, or I'm Alabama or Ohio State, or even like let's say uh, is a who's kind of like a blue blood, so to speak, that is not necessarily recruiting in the top ten right now. Um, I don't know, um, maybe Florida State. Good call. Yeah, good one. Uh, you're not necessarily a top ten class right now. It's not like you're like bringing in gobs of talents. I still think you have the luxury of picking known commodities out there and filling up. I'd leave a couple spots. Don't get me wrong, but like filling up the majority of your class uh, with just a couple spots available there on the back end um, to maybe go shopping there in, in, in the spring. If I am Vanderbilt, Forrest, like if I'm like if, if I'm one of those pro if I'm Wake Forest for example, man I'm like I'm all in on the spring like I am dialed in and saying everyone like there's spring risers all every year I might have a chance sort of uncontested on those spring risers now part of it it probably depends a little bit on on if they do push back that February signing day because if if the, all the spring risers aligned with FCS programs. And you can't even recruit them. That that changed the formula. But if you have an opportunity to actually recruit guys in the spring and off of evaluations, that's a huge opportunity to go sort of tested with the the big sharks in the in the pool. Um, the big sharks will be out of the pool, in, in other words. And so, uh, I, I think that there's real value there. There's always value, even in the current situation of of leaving open a little bit of wiggle for evaluating senior seasons, which everyone's had to de-emphasize to get ready for a December signing period. That, that just, this is further, um, you know, that further hammer that home of like an entire baby of evaluations for six months that could be kind of bubbling back up there in the spring that you can capitalize on. So some of these difficult decisions that that schools have to make uh, are going to be really kind of magnified compared to normal. For instance, let, let, let's say you have a kid, and normally a school might say, "Hey, like we like you. Are, are you willing to wait until February to sign with us?" Because maybe they have some more priority targets, right? Or, or maybe they say, "Hey, like will you, will you wait until the third day of the early signing period because we're going to be straight up with you. Like we like you, but we have two other kids who are higher than you." on our board and we want to see where they go in, in this case. And yet traditionally always, you're going to have another school saying, Hey man, like we got a spot for you right now. Like come take it. Like, uh, that, that spot may never emerge at that other school that, uh, that's trying to slow play you. I think that scenario this year is going to be blown up like crazy. Like let's, let's stick with, with our Florida state example. If you're Florida state, you're trying to get some elite talent in there. You're not having much success right now doing so. You know, maybe you have this kid you like, but you think, man, the chance we find somebody who's actually better in the spring is pretty high. But yet, maybe you have a school like a Minnesota that says, hey, man, like we're going to take you right now 
And there's a pressure play put on these kids every single year to not wait until February to, to go ahead and take that spot in December. Now I think the pressure play is going to be even greater because there's going to be an, an opportunity for evaluation of at least some extent uh, even if it's February signing day, like that you're still going to have probably a month of games to watch and off-season player development to actually check out and see in person that you otherwise might not have. And so I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if if it goes the opposite way. And I think your your, your reasoning is sound there. But man, if I'm like a, a a Wake Forest, I'm trying to get every single kid that Georgia's trying to slow play. Yeah. to sign with me right now to offer him, yeah. him some security. No, I think, I mean, that, 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 that makes sense. Um, you know, one thing I thought about too, as, as you're talking, um, so the Ivy league is, I don't know how all these programs, how these, these schools or, or leagues that are um, pushing things back, canceling the fall, you know, Patriot leagues canceled for the fall season. Ivy leagues canceled their fall season. I think there's a couple other that canceled or, or delayed, you know, junior college canceled their, their fall season. Um, the Ivy League, the way they're doing it, as I understand it, is those players, basically every player that was a scholarship player in this fall season gets like a mulligan. Like they can, um, they can, you know, take, take the year off school, come back, preserve their eligibility. They can graduate and grad transfer in the winter, still have their eligibility. They can um, just stick with the status quo and maintain their eligibility and and just be whatever they were going to be this year from an eligibility standpoint. Um, And it makes me wonder, like, I assume that this is being, because the Ivy League, the scholarships work a little differently in the Ivy League than everywhere else, but I, I assume that that if that's going to be something similar happens in other leagues, if 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 there are some cancellations, that there we could be looking at a possibility where the NCAA grants some sort of leniency to the total count scholarship count, um, and the eighty-five scholarship count. I think it's sixty-five in the FCS, uh, and basically you kind of have a surplus of scholarship players on your roster in the 2021 season, maybe for a couple of years until things start to even out, attrition starts to take place naturally, which makes me think that, you know, in a, it, there, there's probably a real opportunity in the transfer portal in the spring as well as people, you know, so like even the possibility of a digging into the spring seasons finding somebody if you are top of the food chain leaving a scholarship spot available but b acknowledging look we're going to take the guys that we are confident on we know about that we're we're, that we you know given our limited opportunity to get with them like we still know these guys are dudes like we're going to take them but we're going to leave ourselves even more wiggle room than normal to play in the transfer portal um and then depending on what happens with spring seasons you know an opportunity to sort of be um, to, to, to go recruiting in the spring too. So, um, I think that the more flexibility some of these teams grant themselves, uh, I guess to your point at the top of the food chain, um, you know, the better off they would be. Whereas maybe, maybe that's a fair point up by you in terms of lower, lower rung teams, 
ought to just sort of lock it in if they feel good about who they have. But it's just the, the hard part for me, though, is like when you're talking about this, I mean, those, those lower rung teams value, like that, it's important for them to get those guys on campus. It's important for them to have like verified information. It's important for like the Baylors of the world under the Matt Rule to just be mining track info and data and combine data and find the guys that the bigger programs are passing on based on their highlight film. And they just don't, like, I'm just not confident that those teams have as strong of a board as they typically do because their resources they have to use to build it aren't there. So I totally agree with you on that. Let's kick it down another rung then. If, if we think the big schools are probably going to be willing to wait because they, they, they know they'll have their pick of the litter with, with whomever emerges in, in a spring high school season. And we think that maybe these mid-level schools like a Wake Forest or Northwestern or whomever, we think they are probably going to be willing to wait a little bit too. Then maybe the power, because they want to get their verified info and, and see these guys, then maybe the sort of power play dynamic doesn't happen between like tier one, tier two. Maybe it happens between tier two, tier three. Maybe tier two is saying to some of these kids, hey, we like you, but we want to see you in person, right? Like that's kind of a fair request, I, I would I would say. And then maybe a school, you know, like, I don't know, uh, Cincinnati or a G5 that, that recruits lower than that, or maybe a, a Kansas or somebody. Maybe they're the ones actually applying the pressure and saying, hey, man, how much these other schools actually like you, right? Yeah. You know you know how much we like you? Enough to let you sign right now. Right. We actually like you that much. That, that will be interesting to see because somebody's going to benefit from this, and I'm not totally sure who it is yet. Part of that, I think, is because of, we don't know when the signing periods are are going to be. Here's another curveball of risk, though. Man, and this is really kicking down the road. It's kind of a, a scare scenario. Uh, what if some of these states who are, are really into regulation decide that they're not going to play high school football in the spring? Then if you've waited, you're kind of behind the eight ball. States like uh, – basically that would have like, – that would screw you if you're a – you know, if you're – home state, if you're North Carolina or whatever, and your home state of North Carolina doesn't, doesn't play in the spring, like that would screw you. If you, if it is, if one of the big states, Georgia, Florida, Texas, California, if they don't play in the spring, like everyone's fishing out of those waters. So that would be a big deal breaker. Um, but you know, that would be, I guess you're not any worse off than you were before. Like you're still, you know, you're still, still banking on the same information you previously had. Um, if anything, like the hard part to me is thinking about all the guys that typically, I mean, you, you've like, you know, it like guys that run a good time at a camp, run a good track time, um, were injured as a juniors, like just literally nobodies at this point in the process that we've, that we have then unearthed colleges have unearthed probably is a, is even a better, uh, phrasing of it. And, 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 and now those, and, and then they come into their senior season, everyone's anticipating watching their film and, and uh, that's just not going to happen. And so those guys end up, I don't know where they end up, D2, JUCO, FCS. Um, like there's, there's going to be a lot of uh, Khalil Max, I feel like in this, this 2021 cycle, you know, Khalil Mack, a guy that didn't play till his senior season uh, was a former basketball player that Buffalo found um, who was going to go to Liberty. And, you know, I mean, that's just, those guys don't happen that often anymore. Uh, and there's just going to be a lot of them this, this, this cycle. And there's just no telling where they land. If, if, if some of these things play out as we expect. 
so you know how we keep that chart of like why did we not have this guy as a five star or four star and like the most common reasons for missing when they go in the first round? I think come the 2024 draft, we're probably going to need a column that just says COVID. COVID, yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's I'm worried yeah. about it a little bit, man. It, but granted, it's not like any other rating service out there of the other, you know, the other two. It's not like they have more info than we do. So we're all kind of and the colleges for the most part this year don't have more info than we do. Uh, either so that that's certainly something to keep in mind and in that same vein Khalil Mack didn't have the transfer portal available to him I think if we don't move signing day the amount of talent that is mismatched with the caliber of program with which that talent signs is going to be a lot greater than normal and so I definitely think you're going to have a ton of transfer activity if a lot of kids are signing without any opportunity to observe them in the summer before their senior year, which is what we we now have not had, and without a senior year uh, to you know to evaluate. Like, I mean, this is going to be very tough. You're like, hell, UNLV is going to sign some kid who ends up being a five star type player, not because other schools missed on him. It's, and I don't want to say UNLV wouldn't do a good job, but man, just the, the limited sample set of opportunity to evaluate definitely makes it tougher. And you're missing out on growth spurts over the summer. So I, I think come, you know, like the off season of 2022, we're going to have a boatload of transfers. So I want to look at this from another perspective and get your thoughts on this. All right. So let's look at it from you are, you're a player. You are a prospect. You have, you're committed to, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. You're, you're an F, you're an FBS prospect that's been, uh, that's been committed. Uh, you're committed to to I don't know Wake Forest or doesn't really Florida State whatever. Let's just call it let's just call it Wake Forest. That's been our, our school we've been talking about. There's your your high school state has moved your season to the spring. You sign in December. You're locked and loaded. Do you play your senior season in the spring? Do you say sit it out and just prepare? For the season um, at Wake Forest, you at worst want him to play in the spring, um, and then you could we can change it because Travion Henderson is undergo. I, I don't know if Travion Henderson is an early enrollee. He is. Do you know yeah. who he is. He is okay. So that's different different decision factor there. Um, but you know, I I think that that's going to be a decision a lot of guys are faced with as well. And I, I would be I would imagine a lot of guys would be okay. No reason to play in the spring. Um, I'm just going to go to college. I'm curious. You stand on that. So, man, this is a really good question. I, I, I think it would. If I'm somebody who who has real aspirations of playing early in my career, I think that would make it more likely that that I do sit out my senior year of high school because a, an injury in high school would obviously, you know, hamper my ability to play early. In my career, if, if I'm more of a developmental guy who, you know, I, I still want to start multiple years, of course, part, but, you know, if, if I might need that red shirt or, or, you know, red shirt sit one type thing, mm-hmm. then I think I'm more likely to play as a senior. What my team is playing for too matters, right? Like if my team sucks, I, I may not play like, like if we're not, if we're not even going to win our, our region or, or our, our county, you know, that's, that's tougher because, like what? What are you playing for now? Granted, you have teammates, and 
your teammates are your friends, man. And if, if you're a, a, a really high-level recruit on a bad team, you're probably letting down a whole lot of guys by not playing because that team is going to go from you know, being bad to being real bad real quick if they lose a four- or five-star type guy. Now, if I'm the school, do I want them to play? This is a really interesting question. I, I actually think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And that might sound counterintuitive, but if I'm the school, I, I was talking to Charles Power about this. He, he thinks there's pretty good evidence that guys that play their senior years and who actually like develop and get better during their senior years, that it really helps them later on in college. And, and I don't think that the long-term injury risk of playing, you know, 10 games or so of high school is, is that great? I mean, there's a chance you blow out a knee. Sure. But most, like we see these kids every year, how many of these kids we evaluate get hurt, like to the point to where they're missing any part of their college career. It's pretty minimal, man. Yeah. Now playing in the spring, that could change the timeline of recovery. So you actually could miss part of your, your freshman season in fall of 21 if you're playing your your high school senior season in spring of 21 that i'm going to reverse that question back on you what what do you think i think generally my answer is i would as a prospect play my senior season in the spring i think that there is laid gratification element to this like yes it absolutely makes you more vulnerable to not getting on the field as a freshman but in terms of the long as a footballer, like just think about when you're competing in the game of football, it's such a dynamic sport. There's so much going on. Every rep of your life is counts and like innate instincts and feel and, and, and just capability to you're missing an entire season of that by choice because you want to be fresh for an opportunity to play as a freshman, a season from an eligibility standpoint that you can get back. Uh, I, I think it's, I don't think that that's a prudent choice to the point where, you know, even as a no, no quarter that's an early enrollee is going to say, like they're obviously they're all going to say okay so long for senior year like I'm 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 and I understand that but I do wonder in terms of just to Charles's point like their developmental long term developmental ceiling whether it actually makes more sense for a high school quarterback a uh, oh man I was going to really but that was when I thought I was going to have a fall season. Now that my season's in the spring, I don't want to enroll early anymore. Yet missing out on spring practice, I'm going to win the starting job as a freshman, anyways. Uh, so y'all can have spring reps. Give me the five practice and twelve games of my high school season, and get a lot more out of us than the fifteen practices of spring ball, where I'm splitting reps with six other quarterbacks. And so I wonder if I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think you could make a case if, if my son was 17-year-old Barton Jr. and he's a five-star quarterback going to Ohio State or somewhere like that, no anticipation he's going to start as a freshman where I might say, you know what, like let's 
fill back the reins on this early enrollee stuff, get another year of reps in. We thought you were going to have in the fall, get in the spring. Uh, it's going to, it may not help you next year, but it'll help you in 2023 when you're trying to make it to the NFL, to the NFL and you've got uh, a full year banked under your belt that a lot of guys. I, I think that's actually a really interesting point. You bring the, the position aspect into there. So, like with Travion Henderson, what he's announced is like, hey, I'm not going to go transfer high schools and try to go play somewhere where they are playing a senior, you know, my, my senior season in the fall. I'm just going to sit out and work out and then early enroll. Now, he's a running back. I, I actually think what he's doing is, is pretty smart, especially for a player. And this is a rare example because we, we happen to think that, that Henderson is you know, one of the best running backs to come along in, in quite some time. He's college ready right now. I don't think he's going to get that much better playing as a senior in high school. And I don't think it makes a lot of sense for him to transfer somewhere to another state to go live with somebody just so he can play his senior year of high school. But the position aspect here, man, I think is really interesting. That's I, I hadn't thought about that. I just think about too, when I was in high school, I was I took my official visit in September, I want to say. So they I was already they were already recruiting me before my senior season started. They were recruiting me off my junior tape. And my junior year, I was I was probably an FCS player, but my senior year was where like I I really became like a really good football player and my confidence just grew and like just finding out who I was, my identity as a player was huge for me that year. And you know, yeah, I ended up stick you know going to Yale, but I, I you know I, I had Vanderbilt and Duke offers and and I think. I became a BS player as a senior, and I just and I, again that's different. Pearson is like the kind of guy who probably should skip. Um, he's running back, tread on the tires. He's already proved everything. He's a five star in the morning, all that stuff. Like, yeah, like get get out of here. But for a guy that is a FCS trying to be an FBS guy, a group of five guy trying to be a power five guy, a guy trying to be a playoff guy you can really evolve a lot between your 16th year and, and, and I, guys that are going to opt out of that season growth is probably a little bit counterintuitive than it's getting credit. I think that's a really good point. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, how would you manage your roster? How would you manage your program in, in a season unlike really any other, where you really might have to use every single guy on your roster, both scholarship and walk-on. So we'll be back in a second. All right, man, so we're back. Let's go ahead and get into this. So this year, assuming we're going to play in the fall, which right now, if if the conferences don't have the guts to come out and say we're pushing to spring, I'm sure as heck going to keep talking about college football like it's going to happen in the fall. If they change their tune, then certainly we'll change ours. But if this does happen in the fall, the, the, the chance that you kind of play with, with injuries off and the chance, chance you get through with, with just your starters and not have anybody have to sit out with, with the virus or, or with precautions for the virus and contract tracing and all that kind of stuff, pretty slim. And, and I was talking to a college coach about this the other day. He's like, man, practice is going to be weird because for us, it's kind of more important that everybody knows what they're doing now as opposed to you know, just the guy, like the starters and the contributors that we think we're going to need to roll with, you know, like, like there's not, there's not really going to be a split as far as 
you know, sort of starting squad and then developmental squad this year. I mean, it, it's it's all kind of one squad. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting, and it really kind of got my wheels turning about like, how would you manage practice? How would you manage your roster? How would you manage like the the playbook and what you decide to run? And like, how would you manage games? I, I think all of this potentially changes in an effort to sort of mitigate your risk factors with with knowing that you may have a wildly different roster from week to week. So this is. Here's the first, obviously a lot of ways you can go conversation. Here's one of the first things that, um, that comes to mind for me. I so at the very beginning when, uh, like March, um, I, I, I called up a, a coach. That I've got a lot of respect for, and he was like, you know, I'm not really worried players. They'll be ready. Um, I, I think that Zaretti will be will be good and like you know he seemed to actually be um, excited about the opportunity to really uh, work on I guess professional element like like you know watch a lot of film like uh, self scout and do just do a lot of things to continue to make his you know make him. The best possible version, ready for the so that look, you know, he's sort of like, look, play, play ready for me. You know, I, I just gotta, I gotta be ready. For so, um, it, it brought up like it brings up an interesting point in that like I think because of all the free time college coaches have had, all the meetings, all the chalk talk, but all in all twenty two of the Chiefs or whatever they're doing, they got more and whistles thought up than they ever had before. And they're going to get to the season and there's going to be this like temptation to roll out all these bells and whistles that they've been digging up and like thinking through with all this dead time they've had. As you talk about sort of the challenges of the, the season with what could potentially pop in terms of the team and the ability of the roster – the like where I, my head go to is the programs that it, it, you're going to be rewarded for being as simple as possible this year than ever. Like Iowa's of the world, just all they do is run like you know shell defense, them and just sound fundamental football. Um, that you know that is something that everyone is learning. Everyone is getting like repping the fundamentals all practice long, all practice long. Like then that allows you more people ready to allows you to absorb more injuries, allows your backups to be more prepared as opposed to, you know, all the burst of checks are to what formation and what exotic blitz is coming and, and, and when, and it's like, I, I think there's going to be real incentive to be as simple as possible on Guys, the ball to again. This is to your point. Be able to maximize your roster. So what you're telling me is you don't think with all this self scouting these guys did that they were self scouting like man, what does our blitz pickup look like if we're on our fourth string guard who happens to be a walk on and misses half our practice because he's in physics? Like like what that I think that's that's a great point, man. Like all these guys, they should just take the all, all the chalk talks and, and self scout they did in the off season and just kind of fast forward it to, to fall 2021. That stuff's still useful. I just don't know, you know how useful it is this year. I, I, I mean, that there are going to be some real challenges and, and there, 
Like designing an offense or a defense to feature a really special player this year is out. You know what's in? Running your team like the military to where it's next man up, literally, like when one guy goes down or when 10 of your guys go down. I don't mean like the service academy. I mean like literally, you know, like like a military life. But I'll tell you what, though, that's a great point in betting and gambling. This might be the ride the military academy all year long. Every single You know what they have? Unlimited scholarships. They're they're not they're not subject to the regular count. I wonder if they can like like there's the prep and or like navy prep stuff like they got these guys to prep school. I wonder if they can just sort of like uh, promote those guys from uh, so like from the practice squad from like navy navy prep and up to up to the, to the big leagues mid season. Probably not, but could be. I, mean, could I don't be think cool. the government's going to tell them no. I, 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 like if they don't have scholarship limits, maybe the NCAA doesn't even track it. Like that. That's a good point, man, from a gambling perspective. I've been thinking about this. Also, like as somebody who likes to bet games early in the week, I'm thinking I might have to readjust my strategy here a little bit because something that's a really good yeah. number on, on a Sunday afternoon when these things pop up uh, might be a really bad number and you're, and you're left kind of kind of holding the bag there come Saturday. I So here's another thing to think about. Like, Do you run your meetings with, with the same thing in mind? Like it's not, hey, let's make sure everybody has kind of a base understanding and let's let's move on to a little more complex stuff. Now I think it's probably let's make sure everybody has mastery of the base stuff. And then if we have any time left over, it's bonus stuff. Like you got to kind of find a a happy medium. You can't just run three plays on offense, but I I do think in meetings and and prep and kind of stuff, it's going to be scaled down as well. And unless somebody just has a really good handle on the virus. Yeah. Like it's about, you know, are you going to have your quarterbacks in the same room ever? Like, do you just have to have, you know, multiple quarterback meetings or just, just have them on zoom or something? Um, are you, you know, are you, you know, I've talked, I don't care if we've talked about this on this, like there's even beyond personnel stuff. Like there's, there's like a, almost like an army military style succession plan in the, the coaching staff in terms of like, all right, the, the D coordinator just went down. Uh, who's calling the plays? Oh, the D coordinator and the linebackers coach had to quarantine. Like who's like, and, and Lincoln Riley is, you know, their, your offensive coordinator as the head coach. Like, is he going to call the defense too? Is he going to go my coach call the defense or like, it's just, there's, there is a, there, there's, I know those discussions have been being had at, at college programs in terms of like, a clear like session plan of responsibilities on game day. And that's just the coaching staff. And so I think that there's going to have to be a lot of cross training and special teams and, uh, you know, just, just personal packages, you know, there's uh, again, you, you know, you just, you're going to have to throw out those exotic packages where, um, and everyone's just going to need to be repping base nickel uh instead it's just just it's it's uh it's fascinating to figure out how they're going to work through this so and other things i don't even think people think about some of this stuff but roommate assignments right like right yeah. now a lot of times you yeah. do have guys from the same position live together uh that's probably not going to happen you can't afford to have an entire positional unit go down so if currently like you get your roommate assignment and it says oh, i'm with another quarterback yeah that's that's probably going to be changed and then i also think if we don't have fans in the stands do they spread out these coaching staffs on game day to where they're not in the same box? 
right? Like, are, are we going to have like the defensive coordinator in one of the big boosters boxes calling plays from there? And if so, like, does he call Hugh Freeze up and be like, hey, man, can I get that bed? Like, I, I got room to lounge in here. Like, this is going to be pretty nice. Hey, you may, maybe they go like straight up old school and, and sort of sit in. I mean, the stands going to be empty. Just have, 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 you know, have some guys sitting in the stands to scout, have somebody sitting in the box. Um, you know, I've, I've talked, I've talked to a field guy who was mentioning of how, um, you know, they may actually at halftime, particularly at a, in road games in these cramped locker rooms, like instead of going back to the locker room at halftime, does it make sense to just meet up at, in the end zone? You know, like it's a pop or something, you know, like you used to do in like middle school um, and just make sure everyone's got their space and, and are, isn't in close quarters, you know, driving in with like eight buses to the, as opposed to two uh, to make sure everyone is kind of keeping distance within the buses. And so, uh, there is, there's a lot of, like, this is when DFO types are really going to earn their money. They got to think through all this stuff, coordinate all this stuff. Um, you know, just keep keeping their head down and, and drawing up plays. If you got a, if you're like an Ohio state that has a robust off the field support staff, you're at a major advantage to think through all this stuff versus like a, a Mac school. That's just, you know, everyone's wearing a bunch of different hats. There's nobody that can plan for all the contingencies that they've got to deal with. Another thing I was talking to Coach about, he said, look, like we may reorganize our practice to where we go, like instead of, you know, normally in practice you have indie period and you have team period, right? We may have indie period practices, like practices that are all indie period. And in, in those days, we may run three or four or five different practice sessions in order to minimize our risk of exposure to one another. Right. And we've got to fit it around the kids' class schedules, but we already run several weightlifting and several conditioning sessions, you know, do, and, and work them around the summer classes. If our kids have online classes, especially which I think is probably pretty likely for, for a decent number of these classes in the fall, and I'm sure the schools will, will do everything they can to make sure their, their guys do have online classes, like they could run four different practice sessions and make it just an indie practice session for that day. Now, I think it's what gets interesting is eventually you got to do some team, you know, some team practices. And do you split those up? Do you run two different team practices? Do you run three? And if you do, I mean, A, you like you need to make sure you have enough players to actually run the practice. But B, you need to make sure your communication and your messaging and the verbiage you used is really, really consistent from, from practice to practice and day to day. Because otherwise you get one guy's in one set of practice getting one message and then, you know, it's like, hey, do, do, are we going to spill this on this? If the linebacker coach says yes in the morning session, you damn sure better say yes in, in the afternoon session. It, man, it's just fascinating, all these challenges. It, it's not – I don't want to say it's cool, but it, it's it's interesting and kind of fun to think about at a time where there's not a whole lot of fun stuff going on. No, look, there. yeah, the – don't mistake this for, like, me being giddy about a current – but I – I, I, there is some level of fascination and just – curiosity and about all the different ways this season can look. And I think it could, it could be incredibly fascinating and interesting just to watch it all go down. Um, not only in the sense of just like what the scheduling could look like and, and like, you know, what the, you know, how that all looks and, and you know, what, what, how that, how the chips fall there. Um, but, but also just in the sense of, you know, ultimately like, uh, 
Stephen Prather is a guy that I, I think is, is really sharp who uh, runs uh, sports sorts analytics, I think is what's called. Um, and he, uh, he always says, you know, coaches should be not CEOs. They should be CFOs, chief figure outer. Um, because ultimately that's their, like their job isn't to put together a good offense. Their job isn't to put together a good defense. Their job isn't to put up points. Their job is to win. And you win by fi- like Bill Belichick is the ultimate CFO. Like he just, he'll win any way he has to win. He just, he finds ways to win. And so this is going to be like, this isn't the year of the, of the guru offensive coach. This is the year of the coach that is thinks big picture, solves problems, has contingency plans, is organized and, and meticulous and, and is, is resourceful in finding solutions because there are problems everywhere. And the guys that find solutions are the ones that are going to win this season. And so like, I, again, like I always, I think it's always like gambling's awesome because like it, it creates, it's just like a marketplace. It's like, you know, just like the stock market is a marketplace to where we, we sort of find value in, in the things that, that we believe in. Like, I, I think it's going to be fun to try to find value in, through gambling in the coaches that I believe in are resourceful and smart and intelligent enough to figure this stuff out. I like that. I, I, I like that a lot. So here's another gambling thing for you. God, this is gonna be this is gonna be hard this year. Like we'll we'll make money on it, but man, this is gonna be tough. It's uh it's it's 31-10. We got five minutes left in the third quarter. Your starter's still in, or are you are you starting to leak in your your backups that early? You're you're up three touchdowns, you still got 20 minutes left in the game. I I think we're gonna have a drastically different definition of garbage time this year, or at least should. Hopefully we do. But I think we definitely should because you're going to want to get some of those backups and third teamers some game reps, man. And if you wait till the last five minutes of the game, like some of these coaches who are really probably risk averse to their own detriment, like, man, that's going to be really tough because eventually when your starters go down with some COVID stuff, you're going to have to put those backups in and they're not going to have a whole lot of game reps. All right. <clears throat> 31 10 point spread. It's Auburn versus Troy or something. It's a. Uh... Power, it's a power five team against a Sunbelt team. Okay. SEC, Big Ten, like the whole the reason the Big Ten, part of the reason the Big Ten went to conference-only scheduling is travel costs. Um, and and but a big part of it too was and then like scheduling flexibility, but but a, a part also was being able to um be able and 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 in predicting and, and having the testing protocol of the teams that are interacting, right? And so let's just say it's 10. You're going to win this. You're Auburn. You're going to beat Troy or whoever you're playing. Let's just say you decide to play your bench and play, and you got Alabama the next anyway, all right? You empty your bench, and you come to find out after the game that Troy's starting running back had, and this dude just, you know, most of the game was only exposing uh, 15s or so who were trying to tackle him. But then, you know, cornerback that didn't even sniff him all game long. They didn't want to be a part of the action. So, you know, end of the game now, you empty your bench, and 
you know, maybe the maybe maybe the whole you know, Troy running back room was you know caught the COVID or the, the game somehow. I, I just like that's the sort of deal where it's a little bit ridiculous, but it's not like it is actually something happened, and then all of a sudden, like you're exposing more of your roster to it, and then they, you know, I would imagine if someone does have and they get tackled and the sweaty guy tackles them, like that's that's a pretty, I think, reasonable way to pass it on. And so when you're playing against a team that doesn't have the resources to test that you do and may have some a lot more, you know, more cases than we know about, there's like some risk involved in engaging more of your roster to them. I, I don't know. Like, that's no, just I real like time this. <laughs> I, I like this because there, there's there's yet another extension to this if we're going to get really absurd. If you can figure out which schools have rapid testing and which schools are on that like seven-day turnaround plan, like if I, if I know a school's on a seven-day turnaround plan, I'm going to start betting them on like on Wednesday because I know they're not going to get – like there's nobody else going to be ruled out for Saturday right. if you're one of the yeah. schools that doesn't have the resource to test rapidly. Now, that's this is you know kind of morbid and making light of player safety. Obviously, we care about that a lot. Uh, but – Man, like if, if one of these super rich schools that can do instant testing and contact tracing, I'm probably going to wait and, and not put my bet in on them until till live wagering comes on. I want to see exactly who actually steps on the field. So, I mean, from, from a peer – God, I don't, do I want to say this? I, I'm, I'm going to say this, but obviously. Like from a peer competitive standpoint, if you're ever the mindset that it doesn't really hurt young people, which obviously some it does, we, we, we get that having like less testing and testing it takes a long time to get back will probably actually help you on the field unfortunately the teams you play are probably not going to be cool if you're like yeah we're on the week-long plan you know for, right. for results or like like if troy told auburn that auburn would be like yeah that's the reason our commissioner said we're gonna play conference only games yeah but i mean it's it's like that these are the reality of the covid season like these are the realities Football 2020, and yeah, we're making a little bit. I think the ex our our and, and certainly our hope is that you know we can talk about it like this because everyone is going to be and everyone's going to be you know everyone that's on the field is going to be taken care of and it won't be dangerous for them. Um, but you know because in that if, if the case then this just becomes a big jigsaw puzzle of trying to figure out how to, how to sort through it. Um, and so it's going to be a wild season. Um, and I, again, I think in a lot of ways, it's going to be like, not a lot of, I mean, just period. Like it's going to be the most fascinating season, maybe our life just in turn, figuring out how everyone's going to deal with all this. We were due for it, man. Like we haven't really had last year was very chalky for most of the year until LSU you know, came down the stretch and the year before was you know, also pretty chalky. I, like 2007 was really the last absolutely batshit year. Can I say, can I say that on, on a CBS podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Right, well, we're, we're in like minute 57. So the chance anybody listens this far is not quite as high as if I did in the intro. Like, man, we were due. We're, we're due for something that's just totally crazy. And I, I hope we get to play, assume we can do it in a, in a you know somewhat safe manner. So. For sure, yeah. Uh, but thanks for letting me uh, 
get out of the house, uh, get away from the screaming and I'll get back to it now. Go, go feed a bottle and chase down some toddlers. And, uh, uh, hopefully we'll get back at this next week with, uh, with more ball to talk. Um, it seems like the, we got a little momentum, a little positive momentum, it seems, don't we? I, I think so, because we're not seeing, like, the crazy continual spikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're still too high, but they're not, like, you know, doing, yeah. doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great great content for audio when I, I use hand signals. on Hockey uh, sticks. On the pod. Yeah. They uh, aren't hockey sticking. By the way, with, with three kids now, uh, were you a fan of zone defense? I mean, like, like maybe matchup zone. What what you prefer? Oh, kind of for zone? sure. My 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 hips were way too tight, man. So this is much this is much more in my sweet spot. Just patrol the curl flat, you know. Hawk down one of those little girls if they're you know. I've always saved a couple of uh, near death experiences on on climbing situations through the last. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good reading the quarterback's eyes. That's my that's my world. So got a pattern um, match. So man. far, so good. That's right. That's right. Nice. Doing a little bit of that too. Um, oh man! All right, we'll see you guys right. next week. Yeah. All right. Subscribe buttons, rate, review, five stars. Thanks for all and so far, and well, we'll talk next week. <laughs>